This is Daizen Shui X, the podcast, episode 188 for the week of August 23rd, 2009. Welcome to Daizen Shui X, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daizen Shui X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in the hopes of enlightening. And a little bit of entertaining. Not too much. Not, Can't not get out of hand. Yeah, we might have to call the cops on ourselves. After for... restrict people here. Yes. To not have too much fun with this show. It is impossible, unlikely, and will never happen. So there's Mary over there. Hiya. Hey, you and I. Yeah. For a little bit. Yes, for now. We'll be joined by another pair. That's well, right. One and a half. One and a half. <laughs> He said something every once in a while. He closed it out. It was good. We got Tyler in the background. He's, you know, part of this podcast, too. Oh, yes, our special guest. Tyler, what are your thoughts on Puar? Hot or not? Turning his back on Oh, you heard it here first, folks. Man. The household cat says not. (laughs) Kitties are wandering around. I can't be bothered to take their dangly collars off, so you will hear some jingling here and there. Mary, Oh, wait, no, that's just me. Sorry. (laughs) Mary wears cat, I wear cat collars? collars. All right, so you're here. Yeah. You will remain here for the duration of the episode. Whether I have any say in it or not. That's true. <laughs> and you, you are here too because you're I the am. one manning the controls. That's right. My name is Mike Vegito EX. I will be here with you. This is an exciting episode because I had someone else do the entire outline and basically carry the topical discussion for me. I love it when people pick up the slack. Herms is going to be joining us from Konzentai later on to talk about Sento Ryoku, or battle powers, or power levels, or combat strength, however you prefer to translate it. We have an over an hour long discussion about the history and significance of it in the series uh, as it relates to other series out there and what it all means to fandom. I've been dying to do this topic for a long time, and Herms has uh, done a bang-up job. Yeah, hit it out of the park. Absolutely. So I'm very excited to share that all with you this episode. You'll learn all about where you can learn more about that stuff. So uh, good on them. That's about it. We're going to be talking about power levels, and uh, we got some news. And try and maintain our sanity in the process. (laughs) That's true. I don't know if we accomplished it or not. I'm pretty sure you lost it at some point. I did. I did lose (laughs) it. I still haven't found it yet. All right, Mary. So it's just you and I, We, for now anyway. We got all that stuff, so unless you have any objections whatsoever. I object. Okay. I just wanted to say I object. I love Phoenix Wright. Late to the party there. Shut off. You know, the, Let's the move whole, on. All right, news. So how about that there, Super si- I'm not going there yet. Wait, we'll get oh, to it. I'm teasing you. You are evil. <laughs> First thing, this actually uh, popped up online as we were posting the last podcast episode. So it's about a week late. You're catching up with us here on the show. Apparently, Spain will be getting, at least hopefully anyway, the Landmark and Forever guidebooks. We had our forum member, Songoku GT, post up a link to publisher Planeta de Agostini. I don't know the pronunciation. That's how I would say it. Their full catalog listing, where it's broken down by author, really. It's all the different mangaka and other series, what they have to release over there. And suspiciously listed under Akira Toriyama was Landmark 
and Forever, the two relatively recent guidebooks based on the Kanzenban release of the series. Wow. Spain's been getting some great they, stuff. They got um, a pretty good setup over there. Absolutely. I say good on them for getting this stuff. Now, a lot of people have followed this up with, well, oh my god, I hope Viz releases these. Like I said, these are based on the Kanzenban release. If Viz were to put these out, they would either have to totally rearrange all of the numbers that are listed within there and then swap out cover art and stuff, or or release the Kanzenban. Now, Spain I would is... not put it past them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sure. Like after this big is all it. done, is. let's do the Kanzenban. All right, let's put out the guidebooks to the Kanzenban first. No, no, no. doesn't work that way. So uh, that's the current situation. Good going, Spain. All right, Mary, how about that Super Saiyan 3 Broly? How about it? <laughs> In a way, I'm kind of not surprised. I figured it would only be a matter of time before we had some more what-if designs. I was going to say, to be fair, we have had some newly designed variations on characters before, as I posted up on the homepage along with this. Because you're thinking, oh my god, Super Saiyan 3 Broly, this is like this new precedent for new games, all these crazy what No, we've had them before. You go back to Super DBZ, we had the Toriyama-designed um, Mecha Frieza with the giant gun cannon and all that stuff. That was new. And then if you go back further to Budokai 2. In addition to Majin Buu and all of his new transformations, like he absorbed Tenshin Han and Yamcha, and one of them and a couple others, we had Gotan, which is kind of based on uh, one panel in the manga, but then an alternate version of that Gotan fusion, and then Yamahan as well as an entirely new fusion. So there has been this kind of stuff before, but this is the first really new variation on a character in a long time. I don't know if I'm excited about it. I actually don't know how I feel about it. The uh, consensus throughout our side of fandom is... Wow, Broly, huh? Broly, really? Uh, I see what you're doing there. You're going for the American fans. And I say that because K17, who is a Japanese fan that posts on our forum quite a bit. I believe it made some kind of comment like the Japanese fans were irate over this. Is Broly just so huge and these games are doing so well in the U.S. that they're almost pandering and catering to this audience? Because if you go to some other sites out there, like the Atari boards, which I find hilariously ironic that people are posting on the Atari boards about all these new games, despite the fact that Atari is no longer involved. Anyway, they're splooging over this. I'm not the biggest fan of Broly... No, of course I've said not. that on the show before, although I'm very curious to know why the majority of the Japanese audience is, as you describe it, irate. Right. I, I mean, I wonder if they dislike Broly for the same reasons I do. I, mm-hmm. I'm just... I want to learn more. Yeah, I, I'd love to know more about this. We don't get a lot of that Japanese fandom side of things. I mean, they're even older than us, potentially. So that, that'd be a cool perspective to bring in. So that's that. But there is a bunch of other new Raging Blast news out there. Our buddy La Resistance from uh, over in the European regions sent us what appears to be the near final cover art for the PAL releases. And actually, GameStop's website over here in the U.S. is a variation on this. This is probably going to to be a close to final version of it. And it does feature Goku and Broly on the cover, though Broly's not in this new Super Saiyan 3 form. So any thoughts on this cover art, Mary? It's very blonde-centric. It is very blonde-centric. The font's kind of boring. What, the Dragon Ball Raging Blast font? Yeah. Yeah, all right. I mean, that really doesn't have much to do with, like, the cover itself. No, or the content of the game. Or the content of the game. It's all right. All right. 
Uh, I was watching this. Game Trailers put up a new kind of full-length trailer for the game. It's about three minutes long. Were you watching any of it as I was playing it? No, I don't care about this release uh, that, at all. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, I was playing it. I was very excited to hear some tidbits from the new Hironobu Kakeyama song, Progression, in the background. It had some horns going with it, and I'm hoping that's Kuko doing some of the backup oh, vocals. Oh, the song. Well, yes, the song I did hear. <laughs> and right. it, was, it was good. I liked it. I like it. I like the direction this is different. going in. They're moving away from the Super Survivor kind of hard uh, rockish sound. Not that this doesn't have an updated rock sound to it, but I like where this is going. And it just showcases a lot of in-game footage and what appears to be the opening cinema to the game, which looks almost like a variation on the in-game engine, like much more cleaned up and smoothed out and stuff. But the game is running at 60 frames a second, and the uh, trailer for it makes a point to say 60 frames online and offline. That's pretty exciting as well. But at the very end, there's a very brief glimpse of Super Saiyan 3 Broly, in addition to the uh, jump scans that we had up on the homepage. Mary, you can see him here. Uh, like I said, it's a really quick shot. He basically just kind of moves his fist in front of his face, and he's got long hair going down the side. What do you think? Um, he looks like a muscle-bound freak, but that has nothing to do with his hair. That's just how Broly is. Yep. Um, yeah, he looks like how Broly would look if he was Super Saiyan 3. I, I don't know. This, it's just a brief shot. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see it's some more in the future. Uh, while we're on the subject of Raging Blast, our buddy Timo from over in Germany was able to attend GamesCon. That was the basically the replacement for the Leipzig conference that's uh, going on over there. It's one of the big three now. Really, there's E3, Tokyo Game Show, and then what was the Leipzig conference, and now it's uh, GamesCon. Uh, and he got a chance to play Raging Blast, and he gave us a couple of pictures. We got one up on the homepage, and he gave us some impressions on the game as well. Talking a little bit about the controls and getting used to it is a little simplified. Is it not? Uh, said it looked really good, except the TVs that they had there were pretty bad. He said even Tekken 6 looked pretty shitty on the TVs, which is a shame to Why hear. would they do that? I don't know. At a conference like this. It's a good question. Self-defeating. It's about it. So just as a recap, the game is going to be out actually here in the U.S. first on November 10th, though it's not far behind in Japan on November 12th. So it's good to see a rather near rather simultaneous, simultaneous release. Yeah, we haven't had, um, well, I don't know. Things have been up and down with simultaneous releases. Now, with the original Budo games. We got them here in the U.S., and then almost half a year later, they would come out. And then as we got into the Sparking series, they came pretty near simultaneous. Can, when you play these games online, can you play people internationally? Usually, well, it depends on the game and the publisher and that kind of stuff, mm. but usually they set it up that you can do that. So, be interesting to see. Yeah. That's the news. A lot of Raging Blast stuff, and Broly's been all over the place this week. He gets around. It's, it's Broly's week to shine. I've shared this other places, but uh, Super Saiyan 3 Broly, bringing in not quite there, but close to the kinds of traffic that a Dragon Box and Kai would bring in. Just putting it out there. So that's what the fans are looking for, and that's what they're excited about. So be it. So Mary, the news is done. We bring it over to the topic. We are joined for the topic portion of our show, as we have probably already introduced it. Uh, Herms from Consentai. Hey, man. Howdy, y'all. So you're actually here for another day, and then you're back off to Japan, right? Oh, my god! Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to Omaha. I'm- oh, all right. I was very confused. I'm like, he's flying somewhere? Is he going back to Japan? Nope. I'm done with Japan for the time being. Oh, all right. That's nice. They- they threw me out because I was depleting their supply of takoyaki. <laughs> and all the old jump issues as well, it would seem. I suppose. 
Also, hanging out in the background, listening, uh, self-imposed silence. We got Heath here as well from Constantine. Oh, come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Heath Geo, as you prefer to be called now. Well, I don't know if I prefer it. It's just been... I, I have to use it. Okay. But I will say Omaha is the place to be way better than Japan. I and... beg to differ Jersey. All about Jersey. And I only say that because I'm from Omaha. <laughs> So you've decided you're probably not going to contribute a whole lot, but may occasionally pipe in. I may occasionally. All right. That's fine. I'm good with that. He's in the timeout corner. And Mary is still here. I say still. I'm in the timeout corner. I'm assuming corner. you were here for the rest of the episode. Oh, yes, yes. Mary, Let's assume that. we can that. talk to each other. And okay. Then <laughs> we can just be like, hey, what's oh, up? Oh, jeez. There's no way I can edit around that. It'll make it very <laughs> difficult for you. You like a challenge, right? Right. Oh, I hate la, you guys. La, la, la. So Herms basically wrote the outline for the topic, which is wonderful. I love having people do my work for me. I did throw in a couple extra things. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. We are here today to talk about Sentoryoku and maybe some additional things as well. Typically, you're going to see this written out as battle power or more commonly uh, attributed with Funimation's English dub as power levels. That is our discussion. We are past that point in the manga with Jeff, but Jeff's not here. He's actually working tonight, so screw him. I think he wanted to to be in on this discussion, but we will pass him by. Sorry, right, we got Heath hanging out in the background. He can be our sidelines cheerleader. I'll I, I think I do a good Jeff. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Herms, your outline is amazing, but it does start with the basics, and that's what the term actually is in its translation and how it applies to the series. So why don't you get us going here? Sentoryoku. Well, pretty literally, that'd be battle power, like you said. And I guess there are other ways you could translate that, literally like, I guess, fighting power, combat power. But for basically forever, it's been very commonly written in English as power. Power level. Like you said, it was associated with the funny dub, which I guess is true, but yeah, it, goes it does back go before that. before that. Yeah. And I guess I don't really know when it be how this started, but I mean, I did a little research and I actually found out that the term power level written right, I mean, written in English just like that. Uh huh was used on the Cardas cards in one of their... There are several different Cardas series of Dragon Ball cards. Right, right. And one of them was called the Super Battle Collection. And so all the strength of each card, it was measured on a scale of 1 to 12, and then with max, like the 13th level, the right, highest Right, right, right. And, I mean, it just said on the card, just power level in English. And even though this system, like this power system, it didn't have much to do with this system in the show, you know, just 1 through 12. Right. It seems like too much of a coincidence for that to... Like, it seems pretty likely that that would have something to do with the reason why people say power level in English for battle powers. Oh, yeah, those cards came over here, whether it was through bookstores or people trading tapes. I did tape trades back in the day, and they would throw in a couple of random cards. I mean, it happens. Yeah, and then... So Funimation, they use power level in their dub, and then Viz used power level as well for their translation of the manga, but they actually kind of switched between that and a few different other terms, like um, combat strength and power in dice, I believe they used a few times. Oh, wow. Okay. So they were kind of weird, just switching back and forth between all these things. But for Battle Power 2, there was another Cardass series of cards that just had 
their strength was measured in BP, which would presumably stand for battle power, although I've not been able to find anything official saying this. Well, here's the thing. There's also the song Battle Point Unlimited, which is written with BP and then the infinity sign, but then written out in Kana is Battle Point. So. Yeah, but the thing about this Cardass series that used BP is that they would often actually take... Well, there are a few cards that their BP was taken from the character's battle power as said in the series. Like, oh, all right. They'd have a Cybimon card that was 1,200. Right. But they, they were kind of weird. They'd have, like, se- there are several Cybimon cards, and one is 1,200, like in the series, and then some are different. Like, there's a, one that's just 1,000, one that's 1,300. So they're kind of weird that way. Gotcha. But the BP Cardass series, that was the one that more closely, I guess you could say, approximated the battle power system as was used in the series. Right. And then eventually... Like, as that series went on, like, after the Frieza arc, they actually dumped BP and went with DP, which stands for Destrot Power, which I guess is, like, destructive power or whatever. Hakai Ryoku. I don't know why they did this, but I think it had to do with the fact that the BP system they were using was just reaching this point of runaway inflation in the power of the cards. Oh, definitely, like the, yeah. Like the like series. The series, yeah. So eventually they said, well, the hell with this. And then they started again with low numbers and slowly built up from that until the end of the Boo stuff. Right. And then in um, with Japanese merchandise you see both terms used, battle power and power level. Like, there's this one shirt with Gohan from the Battle with Raditz, and he's bursting out of the space pod and says, Rage with Fury, battle power uh, 1,307, or whatever it was. And then there's this shirt with Frieza, and he says, like, my power level is 60 million, which is written out with no commas. Oh, jeez. <laughs> who could look at that and be like, oh, I can tell what that number is? You know, they, it's so which one you use power level or battle power, it's basically... The same thing, yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't really have to do with um, Japanese version versus the funny dub, because the Japanese will use both English terms. It's really just whatever you want. That's a good point, but I guess if you're going strictly by the dialogue in the series alone, they would use Sento Ryoku, which yeah. would not quite mean power level. And I must say that I do have a negative association with the term power level because of how on fan sites where they have the list of... Oh, we'll get to that. No worries. <laughs> no worries. I know we're talking about that. <laughs> oh, God. You know, that's kind of tainted it for me a little. That's one of the reasons I prefer battle power, aside from just being persnickety in that way. <laughs> I'm with you. You know what? Let's turn it over to the series itself, because it all kind of does start there. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time we ever see any battle power is when Raditz pops up and reads The Farmer, right? Yep, very first one. And so, I mean, obviously reading The far- Farmer, that's giving a kind of way to judge these things, because right. he's a normal guy. He's just so a you guy. Say, well, this is a normal guy, and he's just five. Right. And then Piccolo is like 320, so you can see the scale kind of begin to develop. Right. And, well, I guess maybe, should we talk about how they're used in the series first, or should we kind of explain what they are? Well, I mean, we are talking to a Dragon Ball audience, so I think they're pretty familiar with it, but we can give a brief description. It's basically a numerical reading of whether it's their battle power. I think combat strength is perhaps a good way to describe what it is. But, I mean, fundamentally, it's a measure of someone's key. Right. And it's only used by Frieza and his men. 
like Bulma uh, takes Raditz's scouter and she converts it and she uses it for a bit and then it explodes. But right. I mean, none of the good guys, I mean, they, they encounter Frieza and the science and everyone using this, but they never adopt it themselves. They're not like, well, we got to use, we got to get those machines and use them ourselves. Uh, that's true. It's always very relational. It's, oh, it's so enormous. Or I can feel that one is stronger than that one, but that's yeah. about it. Well, that's an important point because the good guys on earth, they can sense key naturally, right, right. which Frieza and his men cannot. So they need these machines to be able to tell, I mean, not just how strong people are, but where, where they, they are. are. Yeah. Like that's another thing. Scouters, they determine where people are located and they can be used as um, like walkie talkies too. And so key, I guess we could talk a little bit about key. Yeah, it's yeah. life energy more or less. And it's based off of the, the religious concept. You've seen a lot of Eastern religions like key or chi or whatever, which is life force. And in the martial arts, they, Eastern martial arts, they put a lot of emphasis on like cultivating your chi, and so that allows you to surpass the limits of your physical body, more or less. Right. Like, Toriyama kind of explains this a bit in the super exciting guide. Like, he says, if you train your muscles, there's only so far you can go with that. And, like, using your ki can get around that limit, and that's how Goku became the strongest in the universe, is what he said. Right. And so that's, you know, you can use it to make yourself stronger. You can shoot it out at people and make as attacks, like the Kamehameha, or you can use it to lift yourself out on the ground and fly, which is, I mean, that's how characters fly, which I think people kind of take for granted. Like, if you're a fan of the series, you kind of forget that the reason the characters are able to do all the amazing things they do is because of key. Right, they're manipulating key. Uh, there's very few characters who have an innate ability to fly. Yeah, like um, Giran, I guess. Right, well, he's got wings. <laughs> so that's why how strong your key is is essentially how strong you are as a martial artist. So basically, the higher the key, the higher the battle power number, the stronger you are. I think it's also important to note that, especially the heroes on Earth, they can manipulate their key, uh, its level, like it rising and then lowering yeah. and hiding it from other people. Which is another thing Frieza and his men can't do. Like, Ginyu says at one point that races who can, like, control their battle power without transforming are really rare. Like, normally... People like Zarbon or Frieza, they have to change their form to alter their battle power. Right. So, anyway, that's what battle power is, as a concept, at least. And so, as it's used in the series, it's since it's, it's associated only with Frieza's men, so, logically, it appears when they do, which is Raditz. He's the first one of Frieza's henchmen we ever see. Mm -hmm. Volume 17, he's just going around reading everyone. <laughs> that's true. We're kind of really thrust into it, almost yeah. as if we should know what it is. It's pretty self-explanatory. You pick up on it pretty quickly what he's doing and so you know he reads piccolo he reads um goku he reads gohan which freaks him out right because it's really high and so, oh this thing must be broken but it isn't and ultimately raditz basically is defeated because he assumes that the battle powers they can't change so like we mentioned before, the Frieza and his men, they're not used to people being able to raise and lower their battle-powered will, which Goku and Piccolo can do. And so, you know, they have these attacks where they concentrate their battle power into just their fingertips or their hands, which makes a much more powerful attack than they can normally be capable of. And that's, you know, the Makanko Sapo. That's how they kill Raditz. Right, right. And that's basically, I mean, that's kind of the that's a, the template for the, how they, the purpose battle powers serve in the story is that they actually are a weakness of Frieza and his men because, you know, that same pattern just keeps happening where the guy has the scouter and he says, oh, you can't beat me, your <laughs> battle power is this. That's and true, then, oh, it's I just over and it. over and over. And you rely on your scouter too much, that is why you die. And then he, Frieza guy, dies. 
this happens over and over and over again. Yeah. And yet somehow we have fans saying like, well, the only way to really understand the show is to calculate everyone's battle power. <laughs> Just kind of ironic. I love that point. That's a great point to make. Everyone's aspiring to be G's essentially <laughs> and to be blown up by Vegeta. Upside down in air. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so I guess just to skip around, I don't think we're, we really want to focus too much on how they're like every single time someone gets their battle power read. No, because once Raditz shows up, it is constant. Essentially, it drops out um, pretty much with when Frieza reaches his second form. He says, you know, if, if my strength were to be put into battle powers, it would be over a million. But you, no one has a scouter at this point, so they can't tell. No, and they'd probably blow up anyway at that point. Yeah. And so he says that, and then that's basically it. Like, throughout, there are no more scouters anywhere. And so throughout the rest of the fight with Frieza, no one really knows. Like, Frieza says stuff like, oh, you know, I'm only use if I use only 50% of my power, I'll just kill you dead, and all that stuff. Like, there's all these multipliers mentioned, like you know, Frieza's 50 or 100% of his power. 98, 99, has, 100. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Goku has the Kaioken, which increases his power by various multipliers. And there's stuff like that, but it's not really tied to anything. And it's not until Daisenshu 7 that they kind of establish just what the numbers are for that portion of the series. And then with when Mecha Frieza comes to Earth, it's very briefly revived when, like, his petty goon guy with a little lizard frill thing on his head, he reads Trunks as five, and then Trunks kills them all, and that's the last we ever hear of them. What you're saying is Trunks is the farmer. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's really weird. It it's ends not, where it not starts. O- not only is the level the same, the line in Japanese is exa- almost exactly the same. <laughs> like he says, ah, battle power, only five. Miserable trash. And But... Well, it ends very differently with Trunks versus Frieza than True. it does with Raditz versus the Farmer. I wonder if Toriyama was uh, self-aware of throwing in that line. Maybe he was. It's a pretty neat little nod, if so. Maybe. Maybe he's just good at repeating himself. <laughs> that's true. He's very good at that, that's for sure. And then, I mean, that's the end of battle powers used by Frieza. But then in the Boo arc with Bobbity, we kind of get a brief revival of the idea of measuring energy in numbers with Kitty. Right. And they have, like, Bobbity has this, him and his men, like Yamu and Spopovich, use this too at the Tenkichi Budokai when they, they're trying to figure out who has enough energy that they can steal to revive Boo with. And they have that kind of, it's like a Geiger counter, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, when Goku's fighting Yakon, uh, Bobby whips one of those and he's like, oh my god, he's 3,000 Kitty, and Yakon's only 800. And, you know, we're doomed. And then in the anime, uh, Dabra's like, um, he says, with 200 or 300 Kiri, you can destroy one or two planets. And, and he's like, I don't care if he's 4,000 Kiri, he can't beat me. And that's basically all we hear of Kiri. They're not used very long. So is that almost like the DP you were talking about with the Cardass series? Kind of. It's, I guess, in a way, I mean, the names aren't at all similar. Right, but it's right. kind of similar in that it's a Starting replacement over. for the post-Frieza era. Yeah. And so well, there's a few things I want to mention about Kiri before moving on. Is yeah, that, sure. Well, for one, it's almost certainly, I've never seen this officially confirmed, but Kiri is almost certainly a pun on Riki, which is one of the Japanese ways of saying power. Oh, okay. Like, it's an alternate way of reading the kanji for Ryoku. Oh, all so, right. So, you know, just, if you just flip it around, Riki, Kiri. And then the two numbers that are mentioned in the series, 800 for Yakon and 3000 for Goku, they're both um, numbers that are very commonly used in Japanese as kind of shorthand for saying a whole lot. Like, you know, not literally 800 or 3000, but just a big giant number. Like, So we would say, oh my god, I have a billion things to do today. Kinda. Or like, kind of like how 40 keeps popping up in the Bible, like 40 days, 40 nights, all that <laughs> stuff. 
All right, it's sure. not really meant all that literally, right. but like um, with the gods in Shinto, there are said to be 8 million gods, which in uh, Japanese number system, 8 million is actually 800 mon, which is 10,000. Right, okay. And um, in Buddhism, there's said to be 3,000 worlds or something, I believe. Like if you say the 3,000 worlds, it's kind of shorthand for all creation. That's a neat little tidbit. I guess you could s- say that there's religious significance, but in a way, it's really just saying that Toriyama, is, he's just pulled Pulling, if he's just pulling random numbers out of the air, and those are the stereotypical big ones, I guess All you could right. say. All right. That's a good point. I like that. And so, okay, that's it with Kitty. And, oh, yeah, I guess I should mention, during the Android stuff, like, the Androids have, some of them have power sensors or radar or something and, that are like scouters. But And so they kind of mention, they talk about it, like, uh, number 18 says a few times, like, oh, there's, when uh, Piccolo is fighting Sully, says, like, there's someone over there who's as strong as you two, right. so 17 and 18. And, but he never gives any numbers, If so we don't really know what kind of system they're using. True, so it's more just an extension of the sensing where people are and locations, that kind of stuff. Yeah, So okay, so that's in the series. And then I guess next thing on the outline... Other series. Yes. There are a few things in uh, series that predate Dragon Ball that are kind of similar. And, like, for one thing, in Astro Boy... This isn't used too often, but, you know, Astro Boy is said to have 100,000 horsepower. And then in the there's a very famous story arc in Astro Boy called, like, The World's Strongest Robots. Oh, yes, yes. In which, kind of self-explanatory, he fights the other strongest robots in the world, and there's one called Pluto who has, um, you know, some absurd, even more horsepower than Astro Boy. And so in order to win, Astro Boy has to go to his creator, Dr. Tenma, and be upgraded. And I think he gets, like, a million horsepower or some <laughs> such thing. Gotcha. And... I believe Osamu Tezuka, the creator of Astro Boy, uh, said he hate. This was a very popular storyline, but he said he hated it because he had to make Astro Boy into such a monster, like to increase his power so much. Right. I should say that I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm a. Fan, I admire Tezuka, but I'm not too knowledgeable on his work, so everything I just said could be wrong. <laughs> no, it sounds familiar. I've been hearing a lot about the Pluto uh, story arc lately. So. Well, yeah. Um. Very famously, Pluto, that the world's strongest robot storyline, has been converted into the manga series Pluto by right. um, the guy who does Monster and 21st Century Boys. Don't remember his name, but very famous mangaka in Japan. There's that. And then there's also with Kaiju, like giant, you know, giant monsters like Godzilla and Mothra and stuff. Very commonly, it's, they give like stats out, like how tall they are, how um, hot the flames they breathe are, how fast they can fly, things like that. So you can kind of compare the monsters in those terms. But most importantly, there's Kinikuman. Ah, yes. This is kind of the big one for a number of reasons. For one, Kinikuman was a very popular uh, series that ran in Shonen Jump before Dragon Ball. I mean, it started before Dragon Ball, and their runs kind of overlapped towards uh, Kinikuman's end and Dragon Ball's very beginning. Right. In it, Kinikuman stars various... um, The heroes are uh, Chojin, like superhumans, and so they spend their time wrestling for various reasons. It's kind of a takeoff of Mexican wrestlers, really. Uh, midway through the uh, Seven Devil Chojin story arc, they introduced the concept of Chojin Kyodo, which is, I guess you could translate as a superhuman strength degree. But uh, significantly, it is very commonly translated into English as simply Chojin power level. What this is, is very similar 
it's basically the same thing as Battle Power and Dragon Ball with a few key differences, but for each Chojin, they have, you know, this number indicating how strong they are. And for all of the main characters at that point, when it was introduced, they were all around a million. Like, Hinikoman himself is a power of 950,000. They're given in units of power, like, so you'd say he has a power, um, 950,000 power, like the English word okay. in Japanese. And so then the strongest character is Warsman, who has a power of one, an even one million. But then the main villain at the time is Buffalo Man, who has a power of ten million. <laughs> so it sounds and like then, Exactly. And then later on, there's um, Neptune Man, who's introducing as fifty million. And then the final enemies in the series are five um, rivals to Kinikuman of the same race, who all have power. They're possessed by the gods of evil, and so they all have powers of a hundred million. Oh, wow. So it gets out of hand just like Dragon Ball. But, well, the thing about Kinikuman is, is that even though they're so powerful, it's like, even though Kinikuman's just under a million, he beats Buffalo Man. Like, he doesn't power, that's, he never powers up, really. He's always, to the end of the series, 950,000. And so he fights Buffalo Man and wins just through sheer, absurd determination. And then he basically does the same thing with everyone else. Well, you know, that comes through so much in Shonen stuff. I mean, yeah. Mary Hajime no Ipo, Ipo is not the strongest. Yeah, I was actually, as you're talking about Kinikuman, I was picturing Ipo in my head. <laughs> Just because of, you know, not necessarily the strongest, but manly macho and... power, right. determination wins. I should say that Kinikuman, he has a kind of ace up in the sleeve and that he has the burning inner strength, which will temporarily <laughs> increase his power to, uh, I think it's 70 million. Ah, so shonen. I love it. The thing, like I was saying, is that aside from that, like they never, a, a Chojin's power level never increases. Like, it's not like in Dragon Ball where it's like, you know, Goku during the Saiyan arc, he's, I don't know, 8,000 and then he trains and so he's 90,000. Right. It's not like that. It just stays the same. So for each Chojin, it's just a static number, like, just to go along with their all the other facts about them, like their height and weight and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, well, that's another thing, is that they have an official Chojin Kyodo for basically every Chojin in the series. Like, they don't leave any room for guesswork or calculation by fans. Oh, they just wow. assign numbers to everyone. Okay, that's totally different. Because, like, throughout Kinikuman, like, throughout the manga, there'd be pages with profiles of Chojin, and it would say where they're from, like, their moves, and these kinds of things about them and it are always usually say they're Chojin Kyodo and sometimes it'll say like unknown but usually it has a number gotcha and so those are the two big differences from Dragon Ball it's like there's no change in the numbers and there's no room for speculation yeah, everyone has one yeah anyway so Kinikaman like I said is really big and it was in Shonen Jump before Dragon Ball and so it's easy to see how there might have been an influence on Toriyama's own work yeah definitely but I don't well, it's another thing where it's, it's never, he's never, Toriyama's never officially said, like, he got the idea from that, but, you know, it's, it's kind of in, it's something people assume logically. Right. And then, so, after Dragon Ball, in these other Shonen Jump series, there's Yu Yu Hakusho, which has two kind of systems like this. The first one is Yokai Rank, which, uh, Yokai are, it's kind of hard to translate Japanese word, but they're basically any manner of demon, monster, goblin, thing that goes bump in the night type thing. Oh yeah, you hear Yo, you think of Yoma as well from, like, Sailor Moon. Exactly. In the series, there's the Makai, kind of like where Dabra's from in Dragon Ball, mm -hmm. and that's home to the Yokai, and, you know, the spirit realm is always trying to keep the Yokai out of the human realm because they eat people, <laughs> and... <laughs> They, uh, they essentially, they rank their strength based on these letter grades, basically. So a relatively weak yokai would be a D class, but they're actually like 
yokai who are so weak they don't merit a rank. Gotcha. And, you know, it just goes up from there. And then finally, there's A rank, and then above that is S rank, which is so <laughs> strong that it's... That's such a Japanese thing. I know. Any fighting game or where they give you ranks on <laughs> how you do DDR it. It's in DDR as well. Anyway, so S rank are yokai who the spirit realm cannot defeat. All right. And so this is, like, the whole concept of, yo- of this, these ranks, they're introduced in the Sensui story arc, where the whole point is that they have to keep someone from opening a flu- full-blown portal to the makai, because then a S-class yokai will come through and the spirit realm won't have anything to do. They'll be unable to stop them and it'll be the end of the world. And so they have S-rank as like the for a while there, S-rank is kind of like the big, I don't know, boogie word. It's like super sign. Gotcha. And S-rank yokai is just, you know, the strongest thing around. But then in the final story arc of the series, they actually, there are so many uh, S-class yokai around that they actually introduce this new thing called um, basically yoryoku uh, sochi, like measurements of yo pa- uh, yoryoku would be like, like you said, yo is a word associated with all things demonic or supernatural and whatnot. So it's like they're... I think the translation that uh, S- Steve Simons has is uh, spectral power. Gotcha. But I guess you'd have ghosts. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you could translate it. But essentially this works, again, very like very similar to battle powers in Dragon Ball in that it's just a number indicating how strong they are. And so this essentially serves as a way to rank S-class yokai. <laughs> so they have to further break down what they've already broken down. Which, it makes a certain degree of sense because yeah, yeah. S-class is just, as they say in the series, S-class is a term that the spirit realm uses. And it's just anyone they can't beat. Gotcha. But there's a lot of people they can't beat. <laughs> All right. As it turns out. No, it makes sense, like you said. Let's see. Hokuto, who is this... Uh, he's a character. It's hard to explain who he is. But he's an S-class yokai, and he has, he's the um, second strongest guy around in this one kingdom. And he has a, like, yoryoku of 32,000. And then there's these three characters called, like, the Three Kings, basically, or the Three Great Yokai, who are the strongest in the whole of Makai. And... I guess I can't say who any of them are without spoiling. No, no, the series, don't. But <laughs> we only spoil Dragon Ball on this show. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, they have all, all have okay. Hokuto is thirty-two thousand, and then the strongest guys around, and he's number two. He's at he's number two at thirty-two thousand, and then number one, they're all around one point five million. <laughs> so, which is there's a point that this is very purposely done. Like they say, that there's this absurd gap between these guys and everyone else. Eventually, even stronger people show up, and but of and then the series ends right very abruptly. I might add. <laughs> And then finally, well, not finally, because you added more things on. (laughs) But in One Piece, we have another, once again, we have two different systems. And the main one is bounties for pirates, which we see very early on. Right. This is probably the system that's introduced the earliest, because, I mean, with all these other systems, like Battle Power, it's introduced, you know, midway through the story. Right. same thing with Kinikuman, Yu Yu Hakusho, everything. But in One Piece, bounties are there from chapter one. Right. And you just see bounty posters everywhere. And so bounties are, you know, what they sound like. They're the amount of beri, the unit of currency in the One Piece world. They're, they're the amount of beri that the world government is willing to pay for the head of any particular pirate. And so, or anyone else, as it, usually pirates, but other people who are deemed as outlaws or threats to the world government. Right. The very first one mentioned, I believe, is 8 million. They're all basically over a million. It would seem that beri are very similar to Japanese yen. So, like, they're worth one one-hundredth of a dollar. So, um, like, um, Luffy is eventually worth a hundred million beri, so that'd be like a million dollars, probably. Yeah. 
not official, but that seems to be how it is. Like cabbage costs uh, 800 berry. So, so, all right. So there is a measurement for just everyday things. Yeah. But bounties for pirates are generally always over a million. Like Chopper, he, he has a joke bounty of like, I don't know, five berry because they think he's just a pet who can't fight. <laughs> I love and, it. So there's like regular pirates, they're like around just the low millions, and then Luffy becomes the highest bounty in East Blue with 30 million after he beats Arlong, and then he reaches 100 million after defeating Crocodile. You just Crocodile. the series, the good guy wins. What are you doing? Oh, no, man? but... Um, a hundred million is a very important like milestone for pirate bounties. There's an actual term for it, like okugoe, for pirates who are over a hundred million. Because, well, for one thing, in Japanese, a hundred million is a single um, word, oku, that they use as a unit for higher numbers. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's too. I don't want to get into explaining that. <laughs> I know. But, I know what you mean, at least. So anyway, being over a hundred million is a big deal for pirates in One Piece, and. So then, um, currently, Luffy has 300 million. That's his current bounty. Oh, my God. And I think the highest one ever mentioned is if um, Enel, or whatever his name is, Thunderbolt. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's been, a, it's been a really long time since I've read Skype. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with the ears and the lightning, right? Yeah. So Oda said in an SBS that if he were a pirate in... Um, you know, down on the blue sea, because he lives up in the sky where no one can right. care about him. But if he were a pirate, he'd have a bounty of 500 million. And this is the highest that's ever been mentioned, but it's assumed that there are, it's been flat out said by Oda, there are stronger guys than him up ahead on the Grand Line. Nice. So who knows what we're seeing next? <laughs> Let's see, what was I trying? Oh yeah, well the important thing about bounties though is that they don't only measure strength. Like they can't, what they measure is someone's threat to the world government of One Piece. And so if you have like, say, say knowledge that's dangerous to the world government, then you have a high bounty, even if you can't fight at all. Oh, okay. So there are several characters who are like that, but it'd probably be spoilery right. to get into that. So. <laughs> So, you have another measurement for One Piece, though. Yes, there's this thing called Doriki, which is used by the um, members of CP9, and which is... I've heard the, the name, the ARC, yeah. Well, CP9 is a branch of the world government. They're the secret police. Gotcha. Pretty, that's pretty literally, like... It, it means cipher pole, and there's several, there's other there's like CP8 on down, okay. and then they're the highest and secret. And they have this thing where there's this one guy, one of them, called Hukuro, and he can measure it just instinctively. And this is another thing that works very much like battle powers and whatnot, because it's another thing. It's just a number that tells how strong you are, and it doesn't. But it doesn't take into account double fruit ability or weapons. Okay. Which are very important, much more important in One Piece than they are in Dragon oh, Ball absolutely. weapons yeah. and specific abilities that people have. Right. And so, um, like, an ordinary soldier is, like, I believe 10 or something. But, and then, like, to be superhuman level, you have to be over 500. And then, um, uh, Luchi, who's the big villain at the time, is 4,000. But they're only, that's the only time they're used. Like, the members of CP9 are measured this way, and you never hear it. So far, we haven't heard anything about them again. Oh, so it's kind of like Kitty in Dragon Ball, where it's introduced later on. It's just its own and thing. It's possible that this was introduced because, well, you see, with Bounty, it's used for enemies of the world government. And so since CP9, since they work for the world government, logically, they don't have bounties. Right. And so it's possible Oda introduced this as a way of uh, being able to rank these people's relative strengths. Right, right. Without, another comparison. And then I guess also in addition to that, like um, for members of the Navy, their rank kind of serves as how strong they are. That's true, yeah. You know, the three admirals, there are three admirals in the One Piece Navy, and they're called like the strongest, um, basically the strongest fighting force. Like all... Th- 
each, all three of them together, they're kind of considered equal. They're just freakishly strong. And I don't, I don't know. I don't want to get into that again. But whenever they show up, you're doomed. Gotcha. So that's one piece. And then I guess you want to talk about Street Fighter, which uh, about which I know nothing. Okay. So, so yeah, I did have one example. Let's take it over to something that's not from Shonen Jump because. Like you said, all of these, they either predate Dragon Ball and Kinnikuman's uh, example, and also Astro Boy as well, or rank concurrently. I think Yu Yu Hakusho is, what, like 92? So it's kind of around the same time. Are you time. saying shoujo manga doesn't have battle powers? I said no such thing. Magic! <laughs> but, so Street Fighter, a totally different universe. Uh, the one, the only good piece of animation for Street Fighter was Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, as it was uh, released over here. And they have something It's interesting. They have these monitor cyborgs that are placed around the world. It's how they tie together the story of you know, searching out all the world warriors and stuff. And so at the beginning of the series, they have a uh, cyborg robot watching kind of the big fight between Ryu and Sagat, where Sagat gets his scar. And the uh, it's almost like a scout, where it goes all green tinty, and there's these numbers flying up all over the place. And it starts flipping out, and then very clearly in English, it's written... Ryu potential fighting capacity 3,620. And that was kind of this big thing of the moment. Then later on in the series, we see that Bison, or Vega, depending on what you're watching and how it's subtitled, uh, he's in control of him, obviously, and he's got this lead scientist, advisor guy working for him who's developing these cyborgs. And as they're watching this footage of the fight with Ryu and Sagat, he says, quote, the highest possible fighting potential for the most skilled martial artist surely could be not higher than 2,000. So there's another comparison for just a regular, in this case it's not a regular guy, but the most skill that they've ever seen was, oh, 2,000. Ryu is 3,620. That's just above and beyond. So it's it's very much like Scouters in Dragon Ball, like I said, but I think that's a good comparison. Oh, I should mention very quickly that in One Piece, there's recently introduced a cyborg that has a thing in its eye that measures bounty. Oh, jeez. Well, <laughs> exactly the same. I guess it wouldn't measure bounty, but it has a database or gotcha. something. <laughs> this, these cyborgs do the same thing. They have a little eye sensor that does it. But what I like about them is that it's uh, potential that they talk about rather than the exact strength of the moment. That's why they're going after Reeve. They want his potential, convert him, evil, blah, blah, blah. So let's leave these other series behind. I think that's a good basis to continue the conversations. Now we have these precedents that have been set and have continued after. Let's talk about other than in the series itself, characters verbally say things. There are sources for battle powers. Yeah, and I guess to go in chronological order, there was there have been a few issues of Weekly Jump and V Jump that have had special pages dedicated to listings, listing battle powers. Some that were already said in the series, and some that were that weren't. Right. And so the first one that I'm aware of came out in Weekly Jump in 1999. And 1989. This was actually, oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, it was it was a little behind the right. times, I suppose. <laughs> 1989, which was at this point in this, it, it came out in the issue where uh, Vegeta and Goku they have their beam struggle. Right. I was going to say Z had been playing on TV for a while. So midway through the battle with Vegeta, and it it was this page called. Like I think Final Warriors Great Collection, and it gave what were what were described as their approximate battle ability. Which I should say that battle ability, Sento Norioku, is an alternative term that's used a few times in the series as a synonym for battle power. Oh, all right. Like for whatever reason, like Vegeta, when he says that Goku's showing up at five thousand, he says Sento Norioku. Kakarotto ka dou ka wa wakaran ga, ato yon pun hodo de koko ni yatte kuru yatsu ga iru. 
Anyway, so these are, you know, their proximate abilities, and it gives some for, uh, notably it gives them for characters who, like from before Raditz, so like Tin Shinhan at the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai, who is 180, and then uh, Piccolo Daimao, who's 260, and things like that, and then it gives some for how they are current crop, like during the fight with Vegeta, so I guess currently Tin Shinhan is like, uh, I think it's 1,800 somethings. Ten times back when you first fought Goku. Right. And stuff like that. And, oh, and Cyborg Tao Pai Pai, who's 210. <laughs> I love that he's included. Anyway, so, and uh, notably, Vegeta's given as impossible to measure or something. <laughs> oh, wow, all right. As this includes a lot of things that were later reused in Daisen Shoot 7 and in a whole bunch of video games, which we're getting into later. Oh, right, so these were, like, this was the first source of those numbers. Yeah, for, like, notably uh, Raditz and Nappa. And that some weren't reused ever. Like, um, for Kami and Mr. Popo, Kami is 220, which is weaker than Podaimao. And then for Mr. Popo, it's 1,030. Oh, jeez. So he could have just come down and taken care of Raditz, probably. Well, no, Raditz is like 1,500. Yeah, but you, so. you could say that Goku was weaker than Raditz, and, you know, him and Piccolo combined. So, jump up. so the world's strongest combo would be Goku and Popo. Exactly. <laughs> but, well, anyway, the thing that should be said about this is that in the series, Popo says, Goku beats Daimao, he goes up to heaven, he fights Popo, who kicks the shit out of him, and right. Popo says that uh, greater than he is. And so, seemed to pretty establish the pecking order as Daimao is weaker than Popo, is weaker than Kami, but in this it has Dai- uh, Kami as weaker than Daimao, who is, uh, and then Popo is stronger, way stronger than any of them. Right. Which seemed to be a blatant contradiction, and so the fact that these were never reused is probably significant. Although, I suppose if you wanted to make them fit, you could say that since this came in the fight with Vegeta, you could say, I guess, Popo got a lot stronger and hung a weaker or something. There's another V-Jump issue, though, from 1990, so a year later. Yeah, so one year later, which was, this was during the fight with Frieza. About time, in the manga, it would be when he reached his third form, and he gives, most of these are from the series, it's like a second form Frieza, over a million, blah, 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 um, first form, 500,000, but um, it gives uh, Vegeta after he healed fighting Rikum as 250,000. And then, let's see, what else? Oh, and then 200,000, he gets a lot stronger when he's angry. And these were also never used, so I don't know. Well, there's the big one then, and that's Daisenshu 7. And then, so Daisenshu 7 has two... Well, first off, I should say, Daisenshu 7 came out after the series was done. So this would be, um, I don't know, several years after the concept of battle power had last been mentioned in the series, because that was back with Frieza, and then finally they kind of went back and filled in the fight, like battle powers for the rest of the fight. And uh, Daisenshu 7 is also the only, um, ish, the only Daisenshu that really deals with battle power in any real way. Mm-hmm. And I, sh- I say that largely because there are a lot of people who claim otherwise with bogus right. information about number 17 and all this weird stuff. But anyway, in reality, Daisenshu 7 is the only one that has information on battle power, and it's all basically crammed into two pages, which are very randomly stuck in the middle of the character dictionary. <laughs> it is a very strange placement for it. The only logic I can figure out is that it's after the profile of Goku and his family. Right. And it's basically called the... It's focused very specifically on Goku. It's called, like, the trajectory of Goku's battle power. Well, they do this a lot in the Japanese guides, where they focus on Goku himself and branch off from there. Pretty much. And so it's focuses, like I said, it focuses on Goku, and then everyone else is kind of thrown in for 
for comparison's sake, like it makes no claim to be the ultimate list of every battle power mentioned ever. And so there's a lot in the series that it doesn't include, but it kind of includes those in some of the characters' bios. But I'll get to that later. And so basically it goes through, series starts with his first appearance and then goes through when he becomes Super Saiyan on Namek. And then after that, it says that there's this like afterwards where it says that Goku and his friends, their battle powers continue to rise, but after this point, they become unmeasurable, which is basically as their excuse for not providing any more. Right. <laughs> this is a statement that has been ignored by Widely. You know, generations of yes. fans. <laughs> and so anyway, this these two pages, they reuse a lot of the ones that were previously published in that weekly jump issue. Like for uh, generally everyone's battle power in the fight with uh, Vegeta and Nappa. You know, just um, Tin Shinhan, Yamcha, then Nappa, everyone. Right. And then it provides new ones for, this is the first time any battle powers for Frieza's higher forms or Super Saiyan Goku had been seen. And so it tops out with uh, Frieza's 120 million and then full power uh, Goku Super Saiyan is 150 million. You know, there's a lot of things I could say about these two pages, but I'm not sure if it would be best to save those for, like, fans and battle powers. I, I like, think so. Let, let's save that for a little bit. I, I'd like you to touch a little bit on the super exciting guide, though. Yes. I'm super excited to do so. <laughs> and actually, they don't... They just flat out... Well, they have a page in the first volume, the story volume, that is essentially a one-page reprint of the Dyson It's the same numbers, just compressed and with shorter explanations. Like, right. there's paragraphs of explanation in Dyson Shoe 7 kind of saying, like, oh, he's, you know... They're, they're completely useless, but they're there. It's like, oh, he's a lot stronger now. Is it? We could not tell. Right. <laughs> anyway, and so I should say that um, uh, Dragon Ball for no, no, Landmark, or maybe it was forever, but one of those two, they ha- they also had a reprint of the Daizenshu 7 Battle Power Guide, it, like condensed down to one page. They had it along with their um, entry on Scouters. That was so, Landmark. Okay, Landmark, which is the first one. Uh, Landmark dies in issue 7 as the source. And then the super exciting guide, they reprinted again, but they have a few new uh, tidbits. Like, well, they repeat the thing about a super sign is supposed to raise battle power by 50. But then they add in um, uh, multipliers for the higher levels. They say Super Saiyan 2 doubles as his strength. They don't use battle power for the higher forms, which may be meaningless, but I think it might be a reference to the fact that as in Eisenshu 7, it's said... Right, you can't calculate it anymore at that point. And so it's just, you know, generic strength. Right. But anyway, uh, Super Saiyan 2 is twice the strength of regular Super Saiyan, and then Super Saiyan 3 is four times the strength of Super Saiyan 2, which would be uh, 200 times 200 is normal form, assuming... Right. It all holds together, I guess. <laughs> and the <laughs> big assumption there. Yeah, very huge assumption. But and then somewhat on that lines, it also has a. It says about the Potara fusion. It says it's not just adding together the people's battle powers. It's more like multiplying them. Well, it says it's more like multiplication, but doesn't expand on what that means. But then there's this caption to Vegeta that says like Goku times Vegeta equals Vegito. <laughs> of course. Like if, you, if you even try to think about what that would entail, it's wait, like, wait, wait, what is my rule about equations? We will not be exactly. doing this. <laughs> well, let me get out my calculus book. This would be the. Um, I mean, this would be the episode to do it. <laughs> but well, I kind of have to go against your rule if I'm going to talk about the next thing, which is uh, Toriyama's comments about his feelings regarding drawing Super Saiyan. Yeah, I, go ahead. Throw it in there. Back when we did the episode on the super exciting guides, I kind of touched on this, but then you were like, ah, we'll save that for later. <laughs> well, throw it in now. It's it's irrelevant. Okay. Toriyama, he, in, in the back of the book, the first volume, the story volume, 
there's a Q&A where Toriyama is asked, like, is in, I don't know, it's, he's asked something about Super Saiyan. He, and this is where he said, basically, Super Saiyans have blonde hair be, so that his assistant wouldn't have to blacken Goku's hair anymore. Right. And then after he says that, he goes off on a little tangent where he says that, incidentally, nowadays, uh, Super Saiyan has been made out to be 50 times, you know, regular battle power or whatever. And he says that he thinks this is really kind of, really huge. He says that... As his own, as far as his own feelings as an author goes, when he was drawing it, he just drew it in the sense of being a ten times increase of what Goku had been up till then. Oh, all right. And so this has caused a lot of discussion. And well, if you break that down, like he says, times a uh, ten times increase. But you know, if you think about it, like the Kaioken times ten is also supposed to increase Goku's power by ten. And you know, he couldn't beat Frieza with a twenty times Kaioken. So if you take that literally, like that it doesn't, doesn't make, make sense, right? Sense. But then he does say, like, up until then. So maybe he's talking about a 10 times increase on the Kaioken times 10, or the Kaioken times, times 20, 20 right. but that would be times 100 and times 200. And if that's what he means, then why would he say that times 50 is too big? <laughs> so, ultimately, it comes down to, I guess, that Toriyama, in the very same volume, he says he's forgotten most of the story of Dragon Ball, so... Right, so... I guess do with it as you will. Yeah, I don't think you can take what he says too literally. Or I want to cover another section here very briefly. Yes. Very, very briefly. You have video games on here just because there's a couple games that cover them or use them as a basis for something. So I'm going to limit you to exactly one minute. What do you want to say about battle powers in Dragon Ball video games? Well, they've been used as, like you said, basis, like in, not in fighting games, but in RPGs as kind of a thing, as a factor to make the game follow the story. And, well, like in uh, the game for the DS, Attack of the Science, they're kind of used there, but they don't, they're used as a general indicator of how strong a character is, but they have nothing to do with the stats. Like this scene is decided to battle, battle power right. to indicate generally how strong they are in relation to everyone else, but they use the ones from the series as a guide, like uh, Vegeta's 18,000. It must be noted that a lot of these uh, exclusive battle powers that don't appear in the Dyson, well, they appear in the video games first and then possibly jump for that like so i don't know if they took it from jump or if they both share a similar source that we don't know anymore right well that brings us really to the section mary you've been quiet this is where i really want to hear you sound off and that is fandom you've heard everything we've just been talking about Mary, you've been with us since 1998, and then prior to that, online as well. You've seen as much as I have. No, I really haven't. Really? I steer away from any conversations <laughs> having to do with power levels, but as far as online stuff goes, the one thing that sticks out to me are um, websites that, you know, the stereotypical, we have a shit ton of sections, and of course we have the obligatory power level section, and it never really seemed too consistent. No, no, they're always, whoever's running the site makes them up. They think they're taking them from the Daizenshu, but it's really just a copy of a copy of a copy, maybe from Greg. Right, and then, um, <laughs> you know, forums, people would go running crazy with their own numbers and equations, and I was far past the point of tuning out by the time that kind of stuff came along. I think you and I, it's very safe to say, we just have no interest in debating these numbers or what they mean. I figure if it's not right there in the show it's just people making shit up and so you don't have any interest in the, the made up no. shit stuff you just want what's in the show and, and like we were saying with Toriyama where he doesn't even know I mean he's I thought it was gonna be this and then it ended up and people took it this and way even then it's no longer relevant past the Frieza arc right so 
Okay. To me, it's pretty cut and dry, and I tend to ignore whatever's online. Sure. Well, I mentioned Greg, and that's kind of where I want to start again with you, Herms. Greg Warner, who ran the Ultimate TBC info site, it's still up um, in some capacity. It still exists online. Greg doesn't um, you know, actively run it anymore. I don't think he's made real updates in like five or six years. But he had one of the first sites with translations from the Daisenshu, and that was a really huge thing back in the day. Yeah, and... He had translations, and he also had a few mistranslations. Like, he is, for one thing, he's responsible for the mistranslation of, like, the Dragon Ball calendar system. It's age, but he mistranslated that AD, as AD. Right. And you still see that nowadays. But most, like, 99% of the stuff on his site was accurate. But, you know, it's just those few things he got wrong that you still see to this day. I know, and those are the things that people latch onto and throw around. But it does go to show his influence. Oh, just absolutely. The influence he had in the community. And... Incidentally, why hasn't he been on the podcast yet? I, you know what? He comes in spurts and then he goes again. And he used to live, I, I think it was here in Jersey or maybe it was in New York, but he's over in Japan now. I'm going to have to get him at some point. I mean, Greg and I go way back. So force him at gunpoint. Absolutely. Over the internet. <laughs> Promise your talk about One Piece too. Oh, God. <laughs> talk circles around me. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, Greg Warner, he had a list, like he had, one of the pages on his site was little known DBZ facts. Right. And it had a whole, there's a whole list of just unrelated things, but item 26 on this was a list of all the battle powers from the series or the Daisenshi, but he mistranslated the ones from the, like the Frieza fight. And so Koku's base was supposed to be 3 million, but he had it as 300,000. And essentially everything was divided by 10. So ultimately, Super Saiyan Goku was 15 million instead of 150 million. And Frieza 100% full power was 12 million instead of 120 million. Gotcha. And so this spread just everywhere. Like, um, this was also on Namek. Well, hold on. Before we get to Namek, I, I want to give a little context for Greg's site. Um, I began Vegito EX's homepage in January 1998. Greg's site had already existed for a full year at that point in 97. So Greg's site would be 12 years old now. This this stuff has been floating around for a dozen years. Okay, so uh, PlanetNamek.com yes. was, that was another really big one back in the day and just gone away now. It had a list of uh, power levels, and unlike Greg's, who his was just from the series of Daisenshu, but they they included, I mean, they based them on the series, the ones from the series in the Daisenshu, and they color corded them accordingly. But they also gave like estimated battle powers toward to the end of the series, and so they also had the um, twelve and fifteen million mistranslation, and so which I assume they got from Greg because Greg has he's always said like he's just very big on doing all his stuff on his site himself. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so I have to assume that. Either they made the same mistranslation, which seems kind of unlikely, or they got it from him. And so between the two of them, this just spread everywhere. And as a matter of fact, you, I believe in the DBZ sagas in that video game, it says that like Frieza's power level is 12 million. Like this, American, um, it's American made, right? Yeah, sagas. Yeah, it sure so, was. So they, it's popped up that far. God, what year did sagas? Namek had already long been gone by that point, but yeah, this data just still exists. Two thousand five. Two thousand five. <laughs> the PS2 games are directly to memory's right. And so I should explain how someone would be able to, how someone would mistranslate these numbers, because for the, I mean, Japanese they have kanji to write numbers with, but nowadays they usually just use Arabic. Arabic numerals like we do in English. Right. And so, you know, if you can just look at 
even if you don't know anything about Japanese, you can look at a manga page and say, oh, it says 300. But for the higher numbers, they start using kanji generally. Like, and that's in Daisen 7. Like, um, for, like, Super Saiyan Goku's power, it is written out um, one oku, like, the uh, number one, and then the kanji for oku, which is 100 million, so 100 million, and then 5,000 in, you know, just 5,000, and then man, just 10,000. And so it requires a lot of, well, not a lot, but it requires math to convert that into something an English speaker would understand. And so it seems likely that he just, you know, missed calculate. And so that's probably how it happened. Basically just the commonly accepted wisdom until relatively recently, I think it was, that people actually looked at the original source and looked at the French translation of Daisenshu 7, which had the right numbers. And, you know, they kind of, there's a lot of arguing going on, but eventually, I think nowadays the correct numbers have become the accepted thing. Here's hoping. Then again, I say here's hoping, but I don't really care one way or the other. It does kind of tie into a debate about just when Goku was started using Kaioken times 10, but we're not getting to that. Yeah, that's true, because does he say it, and then, you know, what level is he doing? And then he says, oh, I've been doing it the whole time, and... Anime kind of changed kind of messes with that too in that it kind of ha- when it's for real that he ten it goes back and shows like scenes where we've scenes from before where he was originally shown just normal no, but right. it shows that he was really using Kaioken times 10 which isn't in the manga and so it kind of confuses the whole thing definitely but let's not get into that the last thing you have on the list here is fan power level lists and videos I think we've talked a little bit about it, is when people are trying to fill in the numbers and they're guesstimating based on who said this at what time just and I mean this is a big thing on in certain parts of the internet. Oh, it's huge. In addition to the lists, which were just ubiquitous on DBZ fan sites, right? Um, there's nowadays, I guess it's, this new form has popped up, like videos on YouTube, where people just give their power levels for people, and I guess they they hand manga stands just flashing over the. You know, there's a lot of calcula- you know, there's just endless calculations about like. You know, how much of a different, how much of a gap is needed for you can just kick the crap out of someone, or how much power do you need to blow up a planet, or blow up a universe, or can you ever blow up a universe, right. or solar system? And all this stuff goes on and on and on and on. It's interesting because, you know, these people are getting so involved and so engaged by the series that they go out of their way to create this stuff. And I will never take anything away from anyone who creates interesting content for other people online. I mean, that's what I've been doing for 11 years now, at least I hope it is. This isn't the stuff I'm interested in, though, so it's very difficult for me to kind of look at objectively as someone who has no interest in these battle powers, these power levels in the series. But I say good for them in some respect, but then we have the people who... And I want to do an episode on this with very specific examples, so I don't want to tear into it too much just now, but the people who make up, like, the fake Daisenshu with... Uh, this shit is crazy. Yeah, and I mean, to an extent, I can understand the appeal, and at the same time, I don't like. I, you know, I like RPGs, and so to an extent, if you like, if you make a Dragon Ball RPG, you, I could see how you'd get into that, like calculating, uh, calculating stuff like that. But if you're not making an RPG like game system, if it's just, I guess I don't see the appeal. If it's just a list, like you know, um, I don't know, uh, sell two billion, like. 
just a list that says that and isn't connected to any game you can play or interact with in any way, like, I don't understand why that would um, add to your enjoyment of the series, just knowing in your head, at least, like, in having proved to your own satisfaction that Cell is $2 billion. I don't see what you'd get out of that. Right, what do you gain from that? And then there's kind of another thing, because I kind of mentioned this earlier, but like the Daisenshu 7 stuff, those extra battle powers, like, those aren't, there's a lot of people who don't like them. They say that. Oh, I know. And then they dismiss the entire run of every reference book ever because they disagree yeah. with a certain power level, which is and crazy. I, I mean, I'm up to minds of that because, you know, the Daisenshu, they do make a lot of mistakes. Like, there's chapter references in Daisenshu 2 that are wrong. And so I'm not against the notion of saying that a guidebook is wrong right. because there are mistakes, like mistakes in timeline that you can look up. Like, in the manga, it says two days pass, and then in Daisenshu 7, it ignores it, just they forgot about it or <laughs> right, whatever. Right, right. And so, you know, I can see saying that it's wrong in that count, but, you know, because chronology, the, ro- the laws of chronology are very firmly established. Definitely. But the laws of power levels are, are non-existent. <laughs> and so, I think you're in, I think people are incorrect when they argue that, like, oh, this number doesn't make sense, because there's no sense for it to make. Like, there's no elaborate system. Like, all these elaborate systems of calculation are fan-made. Like, there's nothing in this series. They never explain the rules in the series. Right, we know we have rules for things like Dragon Balls, but there are no rules for power levels. Yeah. They never even say, like, oh, the stronger the number, the higher the number, the stronger the guy. They never even say that. We just assume it. No, you know, it's very true, because something I always talk about with the series is, is it doesn't matter how strong the villain is, it's whoever has the most friends that can contribute to a Genki Dama. I mean, that's how it's going yeah. to end. Or if you have body switch or things like that. Very true. <laughs> or if you're a gag character and then you're invincible. Exactly. Time and time again, we've seen this. Well, I guess I'd, I'd like to wrap it up. We didn't give a whole lot of personal thoughts on it. I think that's good. We may revisit it again in the future with kind of personal thoughts. I definitely want to hear what Jeff has to say after uh, listening to the episode and, you know, how far he's gone in the series. So, Heath, you've been here the whole time. You might not know it. <laughs> Do you want to throw in any last couple thoughts on you know what you've heard and what you've seen online and everything in fandom? Um, I usually tend to completely steer clear of anything that's power level related. I mean, I'll go on a forum, and if the topic somewhere says anything about power levels, I just don't even look at it. Yeah, It just does not exist, because... Most of that, there's there's no debate to it because technically no one is correct. <laughs> right. So you're debating for absolutely no reason, which makes no sense to me because no one, you know, no one, you might bring good points to the table, but no one can say, oh, you're absolutely correct. Right, we've because, proven something here, right? Yeah, we just don't know. So then I, I don't understand even how people start making comparisons between battle powers and then, say, Superman. I, <laughs> Let's not even I go there. A whole other topic. So I just, I think there's no merit to some of these, and some of them are great and all, but kind of like Herm said, I mean, there's, there's no sense to some, and does it really bring a whole lot to the table, say, when you sit down and watch an episode, and you yourself are noting, okay, I know he's 200 billion and he's 300 billion, so I should know who's going to win, but why doesn't that guy win? And I think you should really be able to just sit down and enjoy the series for what it is. And I've never quite understood how certain people can sit down and their only part of the fandom is just power levels. Now, they almost don't even... hold on, let's be fair, because we, you and I, do a lot of very meta discussions and analysis right. of the series. We do a lot of crazy stuff. 
in universe and out of universe. So, yeah, but a lot of it's quantifiable. Well, how do you mean? Right, that? I don't know. There's more facts based or evidence based and power levels is, which is just a lot of made up shit. I mean, I don't. I, I usually I won't report anything or write anything if it's not something I can look up and I can say, okay, I'm pretty sure this is fact. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? That that's all I'm I'm getting at. I'm I'm not trying to per se bash anyone or say someone's more of a fan than the other, but I just I think it's more from a, a personal circumstance for every individual person because every fan is their own fan and they can perceive the series for what whatever they want to perceive it as. Right. And for me it's just difficult to understand how someone can only follow the series just for the sake of power levels. Or at least seemingly anyway, because that's all they contribute to discussions and stuff. But I mean, if, if it brings them to the table of discussion as far as I love the series. I think that's great. And I, I think that's a good thing to end it on, and especially I want to bring it over to our own forum on Daisenshu EX. There seems to be something of an unspoken, if every once in a while spoken rule. It's not that it's not encouraged or like down upon or it's not allowed, because it's not like I'm closing threads about power levels, but it just seems what? like... What? I always just assumed you would, or no, did, no, or no, have, no. or will continue to do so. Absolutely not. No, there's been a couple here and there, uh, and usually, Herms, you break it down into, uh, I think lately you've been doing it in terms of uh, Team Four Star Raditzes, which has uh, been interesting. Aren't you doing it like he's equal to 1.1 Raditz? No, you're, you're thinking of Kaboom. Oh, is it Kaboom that's doing that? I could have sworn it was yeah. you. Well, I commented in the thread. Okay, but... maybe that's what I remember seeing. I think that's a great way to do it. That's having fun with it. But uh, yeah, it just seems like on Daisen Chewy X, I don't know if people are taking after me where it's like, let's not even bother. But... I think they just don't want to piss you off. Oh, that's fine too. Everyone can be a kiss up. I'm, I'm good with that. Well, I know you have closed threads if the discussion reaches a point where it's just greater than and less than signs. Yes, that I will not. <laughs> All right. When we're no longer speaking in full sentences and it's... It's just people cursing at each other. Cursing at each other with plus signs. Like, all right, I'm not dealing with this stuff. I mean, sometimes it's not bad, but half the time there's just this inevitable progression of the thread of, you know, it starts and it's all just and good. And by the end, it's like people want to kill each other. Right. <laughs> Which just has no place on our forum. So right. I, I don't want to make it seem like it's a big deal. Oh my God, this happens all the time. It's rare. It's totally rare when this happens, but it's an uh, interesting observation. I am going to end it there. Mary, we already got your thoughts on power levels. You're like thoroughly disinterested in them and you steer clear of them as well. Yes. In fact, says, if I see a thread on a forum about power levels, I'm likely never coming back. Alright, and that's why Mary is no longer on the Dyson Shui X forum. She that's saw right. one of those threads now. Well, you're just not a forum person anyways, no, no. so this kind of thing not is like, scene, man. not even on your radar. That was so 1990. <laughs> that's right. Our BBS is full of power levels. That's right, man. Yes. Alright, well, I, I'm done. We're all done. This was one of the longest non-manga review of Awesomeness topics we've ever done, but I think it was a great history and analysis and where everything's come from and where this 150 versus 15 million especially has come from so herms from constantine thank you so much for uh, your detailed outline and analysis uh, sure i should say that we do have a few things to few things we on the side no nope, <laughs> nope you're not <laughs> there <laughs> you, you want me to do it? yes please <laughs> yes yes okay i guess uh we had a, a few things on the site to plug so yeah go for it i'll, I'll let you okay. you're cool folk well so we uh have the cast guide that we updated for Kai, so if anybody wants to go check that out. And then we have a huge production guide update that's coming pretty soon. Oh, cool. It's, I've been working on this forever, and 
it's not where I want it to be, but I'm at the point where I think other people should be able to use it besides myself. <laughs> I'm so with you. I, you know, you and I, I think we do the same thing where we have a lot of sections that we might as well just put up. Yes. I, that list would almost double if we put up half the stuff that we work on. I know. I, everything's pretty much at probably between 90 and 95% done. And then all of a sudden something else comes up or something intrigues me and I just kind of <laughs> Yes, I'm it. more interested in this other section now. <laughs> And if, if I would have just maybe scanned two more images, it would be done. Such is the filler guide on my site with all of Rachel's hard work. Like, I have two I episodes ready to go if I just scan some pictures. But anyway, so production guide update coming soon. And then we had, uh, I already threw them up, so people can go check them out. But we threw up lyrics, which Herms translated. Uh, Julian, you hear that? They're taking away your shit. <laughs> That's right. Get to it. No, we did, we did uh, the insert song, Over the Star, from Dragon Ball Kai episode nice. 17. Yep. And then we did the opening and ending themes as well. Cool. And we also did Orange Hero, just the ending theme to a jump to her special. I've made it a point not to watch or hear it until Julian sends me my goddamn DVD. And then we shall review it. Nice. <laughs> and then last but not least, this is something new. Actually, probably going, this will be premiering this weekend when the podcast goes up. Cool. But everything you just heard, you can find on Constantai in text form. Nice. Very good so compliment. We, we went through and uh, Herms has had me working like a slave dog pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and we we combed everything that we could find. And while he was in Japan, picked up uh, all those jump volumes right, and whatnot. Right. So anything that's ever been printed is pretty much in this guide. Excellent. So we will be putting up a battle power guide and then all the background story and information. So you are going to be that site with that link on the sidebar. Yes, but the very first sentence when you go there is, first, let me say that years ago I swore that you would never see power <laughs> levels on Constantine. So I, I hope... That helps people, but we wanted to we wanted to do it better. We wanted to actually get the real information out. You'll find no made up fan calculations of any sort. Nice. So, and that's the motto for both of us. You know, we like to do our thorough research, and it takes us twelve years to put things up, but it gets up there eventually. Oh, good God, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you oh so much. I guess go check out a written form of this conversation. And there will be a link to this podcast episode. I love hearing that. Cool. All right, we're done. Topic. Over. Continue episode. Once again, big special thanks to Herms from Constantine. A little bit of Heath there, too, Hoogio, for piping in with some good closing comments. But we are now into the releases. August is just about done, so we'll give you the rest of August and then the first week in September. Mary, I'll start you off here. Okay. On the 26th, it's a Wednesday. Dragon Ball Z Volume 36 over in Spain, like we were saying. Spain's getting the good stuff. Volume 36, R2 PAL release. It's a two-disc set from La Saga de Boo. This is covering episodes 278 through 284 of Z just about done 24.95 euros find all your info on zona com. maybe the same day though over in Japan yes uh, the power of dreamer CD single as performed by Hiroki Takahashi who was the original performer of the first uh, Dragon Ball television opening this here single is the vocal theme song to the Tenkaichi Daibouken uh, Wii game, known outside Japan as Revenge of King Piccolo. Catalog number is LACM4647. You can pick it up for 1,200 yen or 
11.43 yen on CD Japan. There you go. And like I said, we'll give you the first Review. week of September. Forthcoming, possibly. Oh, absolutely. New CDs. The Kai soundtrack just came out as well. I combined my packages there. Woo-hoo. So we'll have new music coming in. Uh, but like I said, first week in September, the first of the month, actually, a Tuesday, Viz Kids Chapter Books Volumes 3 and 4 are coming out. These are those short 80-page volumes with uh, full-page pictures and then lots of large font text. Volumes 3 and 4 are both four ninety nine MSRP, and it is that same price over on Amazon. Those are the releases. We've got a huge September memory. I scroll down here. Can you see September? That's still September. Then October. Oh, oh my, my God. No, the rest of the year is just enormous. Lots of stuff going on. But until we officially hit September, let's hold on and do an email. Mary, could you read this one here? We're only going to do one email this episode. We had a long topic. So we'll cut it short with one from Greg here. Sure. Greg writes, this is in response to Jeff's request on Podcast 187 for more history of the Saiyajin culture. Back in the day when Funimation released the Bardock special and Trunk special on DVD, they had a video on there called The World of Dragon Ball Z. At the beginning, it merges the early footage of Planet Vegeta from flashbacks from later episodes and places them together to create a backstory. If you watch the special movie, The Plan to Eradicate the Saiyans, it adds to that history as well. But Jeff would need to finish the cell arc first. Yeah, we've actually talked about this extra that Funimation had done back in uh, about the year 2000 called The World of Dragon Ball Z. It was an interesting release because when they were releasing the first run of DVDs from themselves personally, it was really season three. So you kind of jump into the middle of the series. So they wanted to include something that would almost act as a primer to get you ready to go with the rest of the series. And since that was the Frieza arc, it made sense to include a little bit of Saiyajin back history. So this is a good point. There is that thing that's out there that's sort of what we were talking about when I was mentioning that, oh, it'd be cool if someone made their own compilation movie of all these Saiyajin back history. And there's also that uh, interesting filler scene around episode 100-ish in that time frame where it's uh, Nappa, Vegeta, and Raditz actually uh, all together and dealing with Frieza and talking about rebelling and all that kind of stuff. So there's some uh, good footage out there that could be used. Funimation's one, though, is very interesting. The only thing I want to point out about it was, yeah, it's dub only. So from our perspective, there's not a whole lot of, I guess you would say, genuine enjoyment in it. But what I love about it was because they were just getting going with their seasons three and four and onwards and stuff in their own voice cast seasons one and two of the time was still their original dub from 96 through 98 with the ocean cast so it's this quite interesting dynamic where those early scenes are those original voices from the ocean studios cast and they actually used i know we've mentioned this before the original first broadcast run Mary, we shared a lot of these sound clips where Master Roshi in the dub said, I smell death in the air, and those kind of right. clips. Those are in this extra, which didn't appear on the home releases. It was so... Very like, strange. <laughs> like, forgetting the censor there. Right, it's right. interesting. So it's a neat little piece of almost dub history, if you will, um, just in that respect to have it and check it out. But thank you very much, Greg. Uh, we appreciate it. Mary, people have questions, comments, suggestions, all that good stuff for the show, especially for Jeff, because he is the new. Oh, yes. Uh, stumpers for Jeff. That's right. Send them on over to podcast.dizex.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X.com. You can also find us on Twitter and all the various places. We actually have a few places you can hang out with us. On Twitter, our main one is Dizex, D-A-I-Z-E-X. That's for all the site announcements and news updates and all that kind of stuff. But then all of us individually, you've got Vegito EX, Saya Jedi, and Mary T-O-T. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we actually have a Facebook fan page 
page that I started up uh, maybe a month or so ago. We're up to 300 fans on there now. That's really Whoa. exciting. I've Sweet. been sharing little anecdotes here and there, sort of like the Twitter, but I actually made a special video that's on there too, uh, showing the Playdia system itself and some footage. And there's a couple discussions over there and some behind-the-scenes photos. It's a nice little central location to share that kind of stuff. So if you're not into forums and chats, which we of course have, our forum, uh, we're around 3,000 members. We're, we're a, a rather large community of intelligent Dragon Ball fans, which I love to flaunt, but I try not to flaunt it too you much. You just did. I totally did. Uh, we have that. We have our chat on IRC. You can get all that info. But if you're not into those two things, totally understand, totally sympathize. Uh, maybe check out the Twitter, the Facebook. Lots of ways you can hang out with us. But Mary, that brings us to the end of the show. Wow. That was a long one. It was. But Very look, informative. Look at that packed, material. jam-packed, valuable formulas. We were talking, <laughs> speaking of formulas, we were talking about equations and degenerating into cursing and just Fuck greater you. than equal signs. Here you go. Daizen Shui X plus Kanzen Tai equals too much information for you to possibly handle. And that's how we're going to leave you this week. Mary, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Let's, uh... Relax, it's Saturday night. Let's go watch a movie yeah, or something. Yeah, let's do it. Hells yeah. Temple of Trunks? Yes, that's my site. T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S dot com. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll make a little something someday. A little update. <laughs> maybe I'll make a little something someday. I, I'm very noncommittal. Well, you qualify that with an update. So I might forget something. how to work on my site now. That's it's been a true. while. But I do, <laughs> there's plenty of content to be had. I'm sure right, I'll come up with that. something. We'll see you next week. I think so. Okay, you know what we're doing next week? Uh, I think so. Corey's going to join us, and Heath is going to join us. We are going to talk about the first season, if you will, of Kai. The Saiyajin arc is Ooh, over. Rocking. Time to give a little flashback of our own onto uh, Kai and how it's gone. You know, we decided... Week in, week out, it doesn't make sense to talk about it anymore. Now that we have about 16, 17, 18 episodes, it makes sense to talk about it. How do we feel? Where's it going? Are we even interested anymore? I think my opinion is not going to be much different from when we talked about it Maybe. on the show regularly. Maybe. But now with those episodes out and the home release starting, it seems like a good point to talk about it. So we'll do that next week. Week after that's manga review. And then we get some CD reviews coming up in the future. And we got all sorts of great things. Julian, send me the Jump Anime Tour DVD so we can finally review that. Mary, thank you. We'll see you next week. All right. So for you, for Julian off in Japan, my name is Mike Vegito EX, and we'll check you next week on 189 of our podcasts for Daisen Chui X. Daisen Chui X podcast. Konshimo kite kudasatte. Arigato Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more news between now and Sunday when I decide to release it. So Super, Super Saiyan 4, 4 Brawling. Brawling. <laughs> 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 That's... Fuck you. Oh my god, it's like we planned that.